What's up, everybody? Wesley Shoemaker back with you today with the Blue Gold Sports Podcast. I am joined by first-time guest and new co-host, Patrick Renew. He uh, works with us at bluegoldsports.com, does some great work, and he's going to be uh, starting off today with the podcast, and he's going to be staying on with us probably for the uh, foreseeable future. So uh, first things first, give him a follow on Twitter at Renew underscore Patrick. That's how you can find his work. And uh, Patrick, we are excited to have you here. Happy to be here. So let's just get right into it. Fall camp is over for the Mountaineers. Uh, They finished their second scrimmage on this past Saturday, and we are shooting this on Tuesday night, but when this comes out Wednesday morning, we will be 10 days away from week one against Penn State, and it could not be a more hectic time if you are Neil Brown and company because you are now in go mode. You are now in all systems towards the Nittany Lions, and they're a really good football team. But focusing on this football team here in Morgantown, uh, the quarterback decision has been made. We don't know who it is. We could speculate all we want. Uh, my guess is Garrett Green, just based off the tone of how Neil said things, how one quarterback seemed to just have a better grasp on it than the other. And let's think, who's been here for three years? Who's been here for one? That's Garrett versus Nico. So if I had to put my chips, I'd put all of them in on Garrett starting. But either way, I think it's good they finally have made a decision at quarterback. I think it's good that they know. I think it's good that you have that clarity piece heading into the final stretch against Penn State because, let's be real, the quarterback has to be the leader of this room. They have to be the leader of this offense. And you're not playing a slouch. You're playing You're playing the top dogs who are trying to make a college football playoff win a national championship. Yeah. And so having that quarterback piece seems vital to me. Yeah. It's Penn State's playing in one of the best conferences in America. Um, you know, top seven team in the country right now, one of the best defenses in their conference, let alone the country as well. Uh, they're competing for the college football playoff. You know, they play – they got to play Michigan. They got to play Ohio State. Um, they're going to play us too, and they're going to treat us the same way they would treat those teams. So you got to be prepared for that. But I think it's going to be a great game. Um, hopefully, you know, Garrett Green or Nico, whichever one of them, ends up at the helm. Hopefully they're ready for it. And you would hope to think that they have to be ready for it because if not, things could get ugly and things could get ugly quickly. Let's talk about some of their help. Um, Obviously, West Virginia's running back room, uh, it's a stable of dudes you got in there. Obviously, there's C.J. Donaldson, and then you have Jalen Anderson and Justin Johnson, two kind of underrated guys that are returning from last year. Tony Mathis transferring to Houston, I really think that was a good thing for this room, cleared up some space, and Mm -hmm. you can see a dude like true freshman Jaheim White taking advantage of that space. If you remember back at the spring game, he had a really good showing there. Uh, had a few touches and took a took one to the house, and he's been he's been turning heads so far in camp. And head coach Neil Brown said he's going to play, so that helps there. But two other guys at the receiver position, the receiver room very uh, a lot of question marks surrounding it. We'll get into that in a minute. But Traylon Ray, Rodney Gallagher, two other true freshmen that uh, Neil Brown believes that they will all play and they will all have an impact uh, at least week one and moving forward. So just kind of your thoughts, Patrick, on those guys and what you think and what you think their role might be between the three of them? Um, I think with Rodney, I think we're going to see Rodney kind of develop more into that, that slot receiver role, kind of play that space a lot. Um, when it comes to Jaheim White, uh, you know, I think we're going to see 
you know, maybe some backfields with two running backs in the QB, um, whether it's Garrett or Nico, both can run and just kind of try and fool the defense, use one of use a combination of Jaheim White and someone else, you know, any combination really to try and just do what they can to throw off defenses. Yeah, I I would not be surprised if you see a lot of 22 personnel of two running backs, two tight ends. Uh, go big, mm-hmm. use your size. You have, let's think, you have a really, really experienced offensive line, an offensive line that knows each other really well. Um, and that since the season ended last year, you knew four out of the five starters on that offensive line. And that continuity is coming back. Then you have two tight ends. Um a big one in Cole Taylor who brings really good size to the room and who brings a lot of big time, big game experience from LSU. And then as, as you just mentioned, you have a lot of running backs there. So I think just looking at how this team is built, I think the way you are built is to use the mobility of your quarterback position, the stable of running backs and the experienced offensive line, because let's turn here. This wide receiver room is very unproven, and Neil Brown knows that. He mentioned that uh, just yesterday on Monday. He said, besides Devin Carter, who himself, he's a little bit unproven as well. He has not put up monster numbers really anywhere. Um, While, yes, he has a lot of college game experience, he hasn't really shown it on the stat sheet. So besides him, you have a lot of unproven guys, a lot of transfers, a lot of dudes who are trying to get their name out there, but also trying to prove that they're worth it on the collegiate level. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's Devin Carter. He was a big pickup. It was a good thing to get him just bring a little bit of experience into that room with guys like Bryce Ford Wheaton leaving for the draft, Caden Prather transferring over to Maryland. Uh, you know, that was an experience that was needed, but he's still on the field, not the most proven receiver in the, in the country or the conference. It's, you know, he brings the veteran uh, aspect to the wide receiver room that that team at least needs but when it comes to who's going to catch the ball and things like that that that's a question mark that we're still yet to find out yeah it seems like they're going to rotate a lot of guys in um, it seems like they're still working out the final numbers but just to name a few names besides Gallagher and Ray who we already mentioned there's Noah Massey there's EJ Horton there's Preston Fox like there's these dudes that have been other places at the either at the junior college level like Massey or Horton who's been at Marshall or Preston Vox who's been here and has earned his way into a scholarship spot like there's these guys that are still proving themselves and for me that's that's a little bit of a issue like you have to be able to have mm-hmm. a confident group of guys like last year when you had Sam James Bryce Ford and Caden Prather on the field you you knew to an extent what you were getting they they had a high floor and I feel like these guys mm-hmm. can have as high of a ceiling, but the floor is a lot lower, and that's what's scary to me about the wide receiver room. Yeah, it's uh, you know they've been run they run that zone read offense that Neil Brown loves, and when you had a receiver room with uh, you know Ford Wheaton, Sam James, Caden Prather, and you know years prior, it was an offense that would work a little better because we had a quarterback who we knew could throw the ball very well with Garrett and Nico what we know is they can run we've seen Garrett make some throws here and there throughout fall camp and the spring game seen Nico do the same thing so it's going to be it'll be interesting to see how they can develop that zone read offense 
with now the running back room being the highlight point rather than the wide receiver room. I I also think, though, the way you are built and the way you have shown the ability to win games, like this team has controlled time of possession last year, the year, like they've been really good in that side of the ball on offense. They've just haven't had the ability to kind of have that finish element to their drives or on the flip side, besides really early last year uh, with JT Daniels, they haven't had the ability to really go toe to toe with anybody on the offensive end. Now the caveat to that though, is I think this year you kind of are getting a little bit of both with the running backs. You do have dudes that can control the clock that can ground and pound, but Hopefully, with the athletes such as Devin Carter and then the emergence of gee, these freshmen and Noah Massey, who's a really big body and has a lot of speed, and EJ Horton, who has a lot of vertical speed, you can kind of mix and match it to where if you have to go play a game that's 45-41, you can do that. But also, if you're playing a game that's 17-20, to 20, you can do that too. There's also then the defensive aspect to that, but we'll get to that in a second. I just want to kind of get your thoughts on how you think this offense can plug and play into different game styles that they might have to be in. Um, I think one thing that it's really going to boil down to is, you know, we saw this last year. Like you said, they'd control time of possession, game in and game out. They just couldn't close out. And it would come down to those just, you know, little mistakes they would make on the drive, like looking at a third and one, third and two conversion you get a false start now you're at third and six third and seven you got to change everything that you just thought you were about to do on that play so I think if they can just kind of minimalize those little mistakes they would make like those false starts and things like that with the offensive line being more experienced I think they will be able to keep up with the scoring of some of their opponents yeah and now let's get to the defensive side right Mm -hmm. tackling Big issue last year. The secondary, big issue last year. And our heads were like, okay, now we're in year two. Now we have targeted transfers, if you're Neil Brown, that Mm -hmm. are plug and play, that fit a certain style, that bring a certain physicality. Talk to Andrew Wilson, the transfer from Georgia Southern this week. He said, I've modeled my game after Carl Joseph. I like the physicality element. I like to tackle. That's what you want from the secondary. Um, Mm -hmm. Talk to Beanie Bishop. Beanie Bishop, he has a lot of experience. Played well at Western Kentucky. Was an all-conference first-team selection there. Went to Minnesota. Played well in the Big Ten last year. Now, he's in his final year of eligibility. Well, guess what? If you're in your final year of eligibility, you're going to play. So, there's those two components. There's Aubrey Burks, who... He he. They just rave about him. Everyone in the building raves about him, and you hope that that, along with the new guys that you brought in from the transfer portal, along with everyone else taking a collective step forward from last year, that that helps this defense. Because if you if you think back, right? Let's think to 2020, 2021. Neil Brown and Jordan Leslie, they had a really good defensive unit, and they're able to dominate the line of scrimmage, and then force people to turn the ball over and not let teams run up and down the field on them. Last year, teams were running up and down the field on them, no matter if it was Kansas or whomever. Like, you know that there's going to be athletes in the Big 12. You know there's going to be a lot of mobility, especially at the quarterback position. It's now about Mm -hmm. having guys that can make those plays. Yeah. Yeah, the defensive side, 
they they definitely improved at the secondary going to hit the portal and then you know everyone that played last year is going to have that extra year of experience under their belt uh you got guys like Aubrey Burks who like you said they just rave about him you know they call him they just call him the best ball hawk they've ever seen you've got media outlets like PFF putting you know rating Aubrey Burks as one of the better safeties in the country um uh, you've got guys like Jared Bartlett at the bandit position who's now in his third year of playing that and you know he's like he said he's been working on his tackling all off season so i think one thing that they might be lacking at this year is going to be the line of scrimmage you know losing Taj Alston losing Dante Stills you know you're replacing them with guys who did play in games last year just they don't have that Dante Stills and Taj Alston, I guess, mentality or feel that you knew you were getting with them. Yeah, you you don't look at that defensive line and be like, crap, that guy's lining up across from us. However, the way they're going about it, I think might be the smartest way to go about it. And that is rotating guys on a short-term basis to try and maximize their uh, output for mm-hmm. those series of plays. And when you're doing that, you're keeping guys fresh. You're not keeping guys out on the field because if you remember, like both the Stills brothers were out and on the field a lot. And when it gets to winning time in the fourth quarter, that can wear and tear on defense. And Sean Martin, obviously, he's the he's the big guy there. Um, he's been dealing with some injuries all fall camp. He seems to be progressing and he should he looks like he will be good to go against Penn State, but it's more of besides him. You've got a lot of dudes who you just hope can go out there and do their assignment. And mm-hmm. if you can have guys that just stay within what they're supposed to do, take care of their responsibility, I think the defensive line can cause enough havoc. And ideally, this gamble that you're taking is if they can stick to their assignments, everyone on the back end takes a step forward, then your defense as a whole takes a step forward. That's obviously a big gamble, and you don't know if it's going to pay off or not. And that's what this coaching staff is basically putting all their chips on is this defense. We kind of change things, work, work on fundamentals in the spring, and then hopefully they stick to those fundamentals and the experience and understanding the game at a higher level will help them overall. Yeah. It's uh, they, they need to change some things because there were games last year, like the Texas game, you watched it and that defense just, they didn't look like, you know, they didn't look like they really belonged on the field out there. They looked lost. Um, They just looked, they looked defeated so early in the game. And that ended up becoming a common theme with that defense last year was, you know, they'd come down early and they just looked defeated. They couldn't tackle. But, you know, you've got the team this year. They've worked on tackling. They're working on being more physical. I think it was Jared Bartlett that said when he talked to the media during fall camp, he said, you know, we are more aggressive this year. We are more physical. That is the biggest difference between this year's defense and last year's. We're more physical. So if they can do that, I look forward to watching this defense play football this year. And I think that because you played so many freshmen last year, like obviously the bar is going to be low. Right. Mm -hmm. And obviously the performance level is going to be low and it, it really with all due respect could not have been much worse than it was at times. Like Mm -hmm. it just felt like teams were just having their way and, and, and that just, it felt in a way that that was what we were unaccustomed to in the Neil Brown era, because if you remember, he's always said, 
if you look back at West Virginia history, they've tried to build it where the offense wins these championships. And we thought, let's mm-hmm. build it from the defensive side of the ball. Well, you had the defense real well, like playing pretty well. Then you got the offensive pieces, and then the defense did back down. It's can we get a year under him where both units are playing at a high enough level? Um, mm-hmm. Specialists, I think you'll be fine this year. Um, whatever combination that is on kickoffs and field goals, uh, both guys. Um, have done really well. Um, Ali Straw, obviously, in the punting game there as well. So I'm not worried about that. You return Preston Fox on punt return. And then there seems to be a lot of names that you can choose from in the kick return. Um, I know tomorrow night, Wednesday, they're going to do a lot of teamwork. I would assume more special teams work under the lights at the field. Uh, And that is when hopefully they will kind of know who's – like. When you line up and you elect to receive or you're receiving the kick, right? Like you need to know who that guy is and who you can trust because it's a big time environment. And yeah, on that note, we are 10 days away. Um, Penn State is the number seven team in the preseason AP poll and there's no shine away now. So uh, just 10 days out, Patrick, what's one thing you're going to look for, whether that be um, – and interviews or one thing you're going to look for or one key that you think needs to happen in order for West Virginia to have a chance at being successful? Um, In just the Penn State game or all season? Penn State game. Uh, I think with the Penn State game, it's going to come down to uh, the communication between the offensive line and the QB because that stadium, that stadium is going to be packed and that stadium is going to be loud. And we've seen before where teams go out there and they can't get their play calls in and things like that. Ball start, timeout, and, whatever. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, we can't be we can't be burning timeouts on things like that because the stadium's too loud. You know, that's something you need to be prepared for. I think if they can get that, that'll at least eliminate those false starts. And with the experience of the offensive line already, that should eliminate the rest of them. So hopefully they can just kind of put that together. And, you know, keep just ground and pound the ball, try and run the clock and score, try and keep the ball out of Penn State's hands. I think put those two things together. You have a pretty good recipe for success against the Nittany Lions. Yeah, for me, it's kind of got to be similar to that 2021 Oklahoma game. Mm -hmm. Uh, 16-13, you controlled the clock, you were in it late, and you've got it, you've got to have you've got to have that time of possession and then you've also got to be able to go and finish drives. I think, I think the offense will have a level of success just because they are deep um, and that they will have some level of continuity there, especially with Garrett playing towards the end of the year. If it's Garrett, even Nico who played uh, against Oklahoma state, like whichever quarterbacks there you have, Three running backs are returning, a quarterback is returning, an entire offensive line is returning. So ideally that helps you to an extent. It's just a matter of can you go finish drives? Because as mm-hmm. you saw, even go back to that Oklahoma game right on the road, similar environment, yeah. similar similarly ranked team versus you. Um, and they just had the opportunity to finish those drives and win the game and they just couldn't do it and they fell short. So that's my key is just trying to get them in a spot where you – not only control the clock, but it, once you control the clock, you take advantage of that by finishing drives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're definitely going to have to do that. That's something that – that's definitely one thing that we, with Neil Brown, we've kind of noticed over the last four seasons is 
when it comes to offensive drives, they just, they haven't really been able to close them out. You know, if they close, if they do close them out, usually they're getting a deep play or they just kind of inch their way up there. And they're so close that it's almost impossible to fail. I also think another thing that we will get into next week is just the, the focus on the third quarter. Um, Pitt beat you in the third quarter last year. Uh, they outscored you by seven. You lose by seven. Mm-hmm. We know this team historically under Neil Brown has struggled to outscore opponents in the second half, but specifically the third quarter. So for me, it's a matter of you're going to be amped up. You're going to have energy and life going into it. It's probably going to be close early on just because the nature of game one, new yep. quarterback for Penn State, um, like it's a big stage for them too, and they're supposed to beat you. So there's probably going to be a little bit of tightness I would expect from them. However, it's a matter of when both teams get settled in, can you continue to hang? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's going to come down to it, – it'll be close at the start. And then it's just going to come down to who can who can get through those humps first, those week one humps of, you know, first game of the year. Who can get through them first and kind of take off from there in the rest of that game? And I think whichever team is able to do that first is going to be able to gain the lead a little quicker and take advantage from there. So there we are, 10 days until college football is back. So we will be back probably at least once more, probably twice more if I had to guess prior to Penn State. We'll have predictions on the season on Penn State coming to you soon. Keep it locked here. Uh, uh, Follow us on Twitter and keep it locked on bluegoldsports.com. So uh, for Wesley Shoemaker, joined with Patrick Renew, thank you for watching.